Welcome to the podcast Perplexium. Here we discuss all things, the usual and the unusual, the intriguing, the perplexing, and the fun with ordinary and extraordinary people alike. Come with me now as we dive deep. Let the podcast Perplexium begin. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the podcast Perplexium. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to do two things. Uh, First, I wanted to, again, give a quick thank you to Alan for today's episode. And two, I wanted to let you know that the first five minutes or so of this episode, unfortunately, the audio is not that great. And it's completely my fault at the start of this episode. We did not have the microphones oriented correctly, uh, but about five minutes in, I realize it and fix it. So hang in there, guys. The audio quality does get better. I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up on that. And without further ado, here is episode six with Alan. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've never yeah, done man. a podcast, so I'm excited. Thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, so let's talk about uh, what we did last night. Yeah, let's talk about last night. <laughs> <laughs> so we both competed in a uh, jiu-jitsu tournament. This was the Jiu-Jitsu World League 9, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was in Del Mar. Yeah, the big uh, stadium there. The uh, It's quite an event. A lot of people, like way more people than I could ever imagine show up to that. It's a very popular one. And they're always good competitors, always. Juicy World League always has like great competitors show up in every category. Yeah. It's always tough. That was my first time doing that tournament. Uh, I've competed, this was my fifth time competing, uh, but the last time I competed was in 2019. Oh wow, yeah, I saw it would have been a long time on your your post you made. Yeah, been a while. First time competing at Purple Bell. Um, First time competing at the weight class I did, which I, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so you did the the nogi. Yes. Yeah. I did nogi adult 182 and under. Okay. And yeah, the adult the adult division of Jiu Jitsu World League is always so challenging. Mm. Uh, at least I find it to be. I always find like pro competitors, top competitors, just you know, absolute beasts. So give me the summary. How'd it go? Tell me. Well, I went two and two. Uh, I saw that you you went uh, you had a win also. Yeah. And, yeah. I had three matches and I won one and then I lost two. That's but. that's pretty good though. I think at Jiu-Jitsu World League, I, I think it, it, like we really <coughs> underestimate that one. That one is actually pretty good. Uh, um, so if you if you got a win in there, that's that's pretty good. Like people really come to battle on that one for some reason. It's like a, a, a hot commodity. People really want to win in that one. Uh, <sighs> I have a lot to say about my own performance and everything, but uh, you first. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I went two and two, and the first match was just super tough. We were brawling back and forth, you know, just all over each other. And at the end, uh, I scored the the takedown. We were we, we got to he, he scored first, and then uh, I scored, and then we were even. And then I got a takedown and and passed his guard. And, and managed to win that way, which I, I mean, I'd much rather play jiu-jitsu, but I, I showed up with a strategy of just trying to score points. Like, I just wanted to score points, 
play the points game and try to win. And then the next one, I lost on decision, which was just baffling because at the end I, I had a front headlock, I was pulling them down to the ground and nothing else happened, we were just wrestling back and forth. And that was disappointing. And then the third one uh, was by decision, we were wrestling back and forth, I pulled front headlock a couple times and then uh, that was it. And then the third one, this dude was so tall, he was, he was so tall, he, he ankle locked me and literally picked me up off the mat and I was like, okay, uh, I, I'm just gonna tap because yeah. I don't even know where to go from here. So. It, it's one thing when they're really tall, it's a whole other thing when they're, when they're super tall and super strong. Oh my God, forget yeah. it. Yeah, yeah he, that's, that was him like perfectly. He was like super tall and surprisingly strong for like how tall he was. Yeah, because tall I can handle, I, and for your game, because you like to go for the takedown, it's probably you probably like when they're tall. It can be unless they're super strong, then they yeah. can keep you away, you know. And then it's like it's like trying to shoot in on a on a, a well, like an octopus or something. You know, it feels like they have more arms than they really do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 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 frustrating. Yeah, it sounds like you and I had opposite uh, <laughs> strategies. Opposite? Yeah, you wanted to play jujitsu. Well, because I'm a guard player, I. Uh, I made the decision to pull guard uh, all my yeah. matches, uh -huh. which my second match, it was perfect. That exactly what I wanted to do. If, like textbook, you know, mm -hmm. pulled him and I uh, basically made my grips. I did the gi, okay. so made yeah. the grips on the gi and then sat to open guard. I did like shin on shin and then went to uh, single leg X. And then from there it became half guard, and then I got him in my close guard, and then I got my scissor sweep, got on top, got mount, uh -huh. and you just like systematically had him exactly where you, it's exactly you what I wanted to do. Yeah. That was my second match, but that's what I wanted to do all my matches. <laughs> you know? It's funny how that doesn't always work out, right? You know, yeah. like uh, honestly though, that's way more fun. I, I I think I have more fun losing that way than I do if I win the way I did, like standing up, because. At some point in, in one of the matches where we were just wrestling the whole time, I actually forgot where we were because I got bored. I was like, oh shit, wait, we're wrestling. You know, like, I was that bored. I was like, oh fuck, this is really boring. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I'm just so. going to make a quick adjustment right here. I think we got to speak like right oh, okay. like that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We're good. Yeah, it was, kind of, it was kind of boring to just sit there and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. I, I literally forgot where I was and, and I would much rather get to the ground try to do some jiu-jitsu, even if they pass my guard, try to submit them several times, you know what I mean? Like, that's way more fun to me. But it doesn't, but that doesn't get wins, you know? And, and so I was trying to really play points today, cool. or yesterday, yeah. Cool, how, now you've competed quite a lot so I, far. Yeah, I'm competing so much, almost every weekend. Um, wow. To, yeah. So you, you've lost count at this point. Oh yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch. Yeah. Super cool, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of jujitsu, why don't I ask you how'd you get into it? Oh well, um, I always I always loved martial arts, and you know, I did karate as a kid. I was a black belt in taekwondo, very competitive in taekwondo. Um, one state in 2003 in my, in my weight division, uh, fought nationals, fought, uh, got accepted to the army team and actually broke my jaw right as I got accepted. Oh my God. So I, I didn't get to fight for the army, but uh, that was something I really wanted to do. And then uh, um, just started getting really interested in MMA and then the, the army had a uh, 
combatives program, which is just basic jujitsu. So I took that course and realized like, oh my God, I don't know anything about the ground. This is scary. Around what age were you? I was 25. It was 2005. So, um, and, and it was really interesting, but it taught me enough just to keep guys off me. And I thought I was good with that, you know, cause I love, I love striking. And, uh, I entered a jujitsu tournament that next year after, after doing like a year of, of jujitsu and, uh, the way the tournament works in the army is if you, if you win the, with the, with the, what we had, instead of the gi, we had the uniform. If you win that first match, then you are allowed to start slapping. And if you win that second match, you're allowed to kick and slap, oh. uh, and you, you take the, the, the uniform off. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so the most dangerous person becomes more and more dangerous. Right, right. Yeah. And then, and then. <laughs> If you win that, you put on MMA gloves and start actually fighting. I had no idea that that was going to happen. So my first MMA fight was my first jiu-jitsu competition as well. And I had no idea that it was going to go that route. I had no clue where it was going. Uh, I, I just showed up and was like, yeah, let's, let's, heck yeah, let's do some jiu-jitsu, you know, or whatever. And bam, next thing you know it, I'm in a, in a ring with gloves on, with this guy who was very prepared to do MMA, and, and it showed. Wow, uh, that's intense. It was pretty intense, it was, it was pretty scary. I almost wanted to say no, though. So. Wow, so, so this was when you were around 25? Yeah, at that, at that uh, yeah, 25 is when I started Jiu Jitsu, 26 was that tournament. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. and then at what point did you realize that you really loved it and you wanted to commit to jujitsu um i think i think in my early 30s so probably like 34 right around there 34 35 um when i was getting out of the army and i started training jujitsu at uh gracie Humerta or whatever it is down down here. Humaita? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I say it. Right. I, I have no idea how to say it. I still to this day don't know how to say it. And and I was like, you know, I really want to do this. I'm really enjoying this. Um, and and I think at that point I had committed to wanting to do jiu-jitsu. And I think that was like 2014. Uh, when I well, 2000, wait 2014. Yeah, right around there. Mm -hmm. Cool. And for you, it was always. Uh, no gi until recently uh yeah yeah i really was only interested in no gi until recently and the, and the gi is starting to kind of grow on me uh over the last few months so uh but but yeah i really up until recently it, it's been hard to even fathom wanting to do the gi very cool so alan i remember meeting you for the first time at 10th planet Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were both over there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where, when about did you join 10th Planet and uh, you were a blue belt when we met? Right, yeah. Well, we, I think we were both blue belts at that time. Yep. And um, I joined 10th Planet in 2009, the summer of 2019 uh, after finishing residency um, in Texas. I drove, I was so excited to go to a place that just did all no-gi uh, I, I drove across the country from Texas to California, didn't even offload my car and, and showed up to uh, Jiu Jitsu that day at 10th Planet 
and and that's where I saw Sloan and Gabe and, and Boogeyman were, were all there and I was like oh gosh I'm, I'm, this is the real deal mm-hmm. so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that was my first sight walking into uh, Tenth Planet cool I remember the first time I rolled with you I very quickly learned that you are a leg locker <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think that that's still the case <laughs> that uh, I still enjoy leg locks you know yeah. I'm trying to vary it up uh, and, and do other things as well but I find when I get frustrated, and, and you're frustrated to roll with, because you got a good, you got a good game. You're slow, you're methodical, you know. And I'm not. I just want to like get in there and uh-huh. like do things, you know. And when I get frustrated, yeah, I start resorting back to leg lock. So, so you and me end up getting in leg lock battles because you you frustrate me because uh, you're very <laughs> methodical and I, and I'm not. So, mm. you know, it's funny, man, um, that the good match I had yesterday the dude was once i got him in my closed guard he was so frantic and that's what i want uh-huh. you know like the moment i felt his energy just like nervously anxiously <laughs> flailing about not making it like that's that gives me that reassurance that i could be cool calm and collected and he's in my pond and yeah that's uh it's funny you say that cuz I, I i usually i don't even think about it i just it's an energy thing. I don't know. You, I feel like you, you know where you want them, and when you have them there, then you start really getting excited. I can see it on your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. it on your face with me a few times. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to be here. And that's, that's generally when I sit back mm-hmm. and try to get away my, my upper body away from your upper body and, and start playing legs. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Who in jiu-jitsu would you say inspires you the most? Oh man, who inspires me the most in jujitsu? Um, you know, I, I I don't know that I have just one person who inspires me the most. I'd say it's like people in certain areas inspire yeah. me. You know what well, I mean? Let me ask you this. Uh, we'll start with this one in terms of uh, style, like in terms of like technic uh, technical ability, or maybe just someone that's fun to watch uh-huh uh yeah who do you, who do you like oh well i'd say in terms of like technical ability i've ever since i've met sloan my coach sloan then uh, i've been like that's how i want my game to look that guy's unstoppable and if i have to like watch somebody and get excited though it's andy valeria uh, valeria valeria uh he just competed in adcc right yes yeah okay i actually don't know that much about him yeah he's exciting to watch like i i think his technique and sloan's are very similar but he likes to go and do some he likes to add some flashy things in there and i think that's why i like it you know it's like sloan's kind of you know hey stick to the basics and make this work with andy's like hey i can also jump over your head and throw my leg behind you and uh end up getting you in this like how in the world did you get both legs behind my back and and make me like a pretzel you know that's pretty exciting so so the two of them to me are are, are a lot of fun to watch oh. how about you what, what are your your inspirational or your juicy <coughs> inspirations hmm. this is gonna sound how do i say 
Well, we're both members of Legion, right? Yeah. And the head coach, head owner of Legion is Keenan. Yeah. But actually, when I was just starting jujitsu, at the time, back in 2015, 2016, the guy that I would constantly see on YouTube was mm. Keenan. And he has this tall, lanky guard style that for me was so entertaining to watch. And when you listen to him speak when he's being interviewed, you can tell that he's intelligent. You can just tell that, like, you know, the guy can, like, you know, solve a Rubik's Cube and play chess, like, super well. Like, you could just tell. <laughs> and uh, I always related to that. And uh, that was a style that I always wanted to emulate. Yeah. Um, he's a brilliant guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to say, Keenan. Uh, still to this day, mm-hmm. uh, but Keenan in the in the early days. Um, that's my first immediate answer. Yeah, but there's some more. Yeah, I'm just blanking out. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a good one. Yeah, he. he I, I I think that adds into what I look at people as well. Like I, I can't just look at their jujitsu and say that's what I like. It's like they're personality goes into the equation you know they're like energy they're you know what kind of person they are you know all, all that gets added in because mm-hmm. you know like it's more than just jujitsu at, at some point you know yeah so. actually for me personality has a lot to do with it too like i'm gonna give you two names of people that really inspire me uh-huh. uh one is Kurt Osiander. You ever heard of him? No, uh-uh. So he's kind of out of the game these days. He's uh, He's been really injured and, you know, kind of aging. But he's, he's a coach now. Uh, he has his own academy in San Francisco. Um, I'm trying to grow my hair out long, like long and curly. Mm. And he's got it, like, full, fully fleshed. He's got the full on curl. Yeah, yeah, but I've always admired how wild this dude is. And he's just... Uh, reckless he, like he's hilarious yeah uh, you know he was on like Anthony Bourdain uh, um, oh that's interesting yeah because yeah. uh, for me jujitsu is uh, is an art and yeah. um, the mats are like a canvas and we're we're like the painters you know uh, yeah that's a good way to look at it yeah that is kind of how I see it and uh, I admire people like Kurt and I'm also going to say uh, Majid uh, Hage Majid Hage. I actually don't know how to say his, yeah, his last yeah, I know name. who you're talking about. Yeah, I just love he's how interesting. I just love how chill he is. Yeah, like he's like just so relaxed, and he's tr- always trying to be like a good dude, you know? Yeah, yeah. like because I know he surfs too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen him roll in person. Like I've been on the mats with him. Yeah, and that's the kind of style I want. Actually, like I want to be so chill. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that in you. Yeah, you you do, <laughs> and that's actually that actually makes you a little more frustrating. Cause, yeah, cause you are always like chilling, no matter how bad things get. Well, to my own detriment. Uh, sure, know. sure. Yeah, but it was the first time I saw that. I was like, "What is this? Stop! You know, <laughs> like make a face, do something." You know. <laughs> I think breathing has a lot to do with it. Uh-huh. You know, because if you can if you can control your breathing, if you can make your breathing super slow, mm-hmm. then when they when they feel when your opponent feels your breathing 
does something to them kind of psychologically yeah yeah they're like yeah. why is this guy breathing so slowly <laughs> yeah. something's up i definitely was uh yeah when I, the first time we rolled i was like what what is going on here you know mm-hmm. like like i i have not rolled with a person that you know was like this and and i just kind of attribute it to you were a gee guy before i knew that about mm-hmm. you and and so i was like okay he's he's trying to be very methodical as, as I would expect from a, a good gi school, you know, and and I kind of I kind of liked it. I was like, yeah, that that I need to implement some of that. So I think I started rolling with you more even after that. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. The gi the gi does kind of slow the game down a bit, mm-hmm. and it definitely comes over in no gi, yeah. for sure. Alan, what would be uh, some advice that you would give for uh, white belts? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd, I'd say that uh, there's going to be times where I was so frustrated uh, being a white belt because it feels like it just takes forever, you know, especially after doing Taekwondo and it was like I could move through the ranks, I could get black belt, you know, within like four years and bam, next thing you know, I'm fighting some of the top competitors and like five, six years into it. So here, you, here I am, you know, years into white belt and I'm still a white belt, you know people are barely throwing stripes onto my white belt and it's like oh my god i don't feel like i'm getting any better and uh i'd say uh do what makes you happy right so if you're in a school and you don't feel like you're getting any better and it's been years um you know uh and you don't feel like they're making you comfortable or at home or uh you don't feel like they're family you're spending a lot of time with them you know, like just just move on and and go find somebody that does make you happy and make you better at jujitsu. You're you're investing a lot of time in this. You know, get get good at it. It's okay to want to get good at it. That's that's probably why you're there. You know, you want to make friends and you want to be good at it and you want to have some family. So if you if you're not getting those, just just move on and and find a place that will make you feel that. Uh, because if not, it's that's so frustrating to to put that much time and effort into something and feel like go home feeling yucky when you sh- when it's the thing that can make you go home and feel incredible so yeah if you're not enjoying it then evaluate how you're spending your time yeah absolutely yeah change something you know whether it's the environment whether it's how you're doing it whether it's the the time in the classes some, something has to change yeah and after a few years I think you can figure out like oh yeah something here is not working you know so how are you feeling right now? I feel pretty good. Um, other than I'm, I'm a little wrecked from yesterday. Usually after the tournaments, I don't feel too bad. But these were some some really good battles. It was exactly what I was looking for. But uh, wrecked enough not to go to open mat today, which is pretty rare for me. So how, how do you feel? I have to concur. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for a run today. Uh-huh. Uh, my upper body, actually, like my shoulders. Yeah. Uh, like the first match I had. So I definitely should not do that weight class again. Got to lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> what weight class was it? I was in the 222 and under. Oh, yeah, that's a big weight class. Well, you know Those what? There's some big boys. You know what it is? Uh, two weeks ago, I weighed uh, 220. Uh-huh. And I, I don't, I, I'm not good with cutting weight. So I made a decision. I was just like, all right, I'm just going to do this one. And by the way, my, my whole attitude for this tournament was like screw it 
like just go out there just it doesn't matter like I, I really didn't prepare any more than just regular jujitsu training I really didn't do any like special cardio I didn't do like my sprint training that I used to do yeah. uh, in my like super active blue belt days um, uh, lifting here and there nothing like super um, meticulous uh, I might as well like when I so my first match yesterday was at 10 a.m. I showed up at like 9:45. <laughs> I might as well have just rolled out of the bed and like got on the mats. Yeah. Um, but I, I've heard uh, Andres talk about competing as collecting data, mm-hmm. and so I kind of went in with the attitude of, well, I've never collected data with these parameters you know i've never gone in so nonchalant so like carefree so let's go see how this turns out because i know that there's some people that will go out there like that and tear it up Mm -hmm. and i was like well let's see what happens if i do it and that makes sense yeah i kind of learned that i i shouldn't do that (laughs) (laughs) that that that, that was data that says don't do that (laughs) yeah but that's the thing like you got to go collect the data you do yeah so long as you can leave uh injury free it's a win you know that makes sense uh yeah i i think uh what you did probably uh, was necessary because mm-hmm. what if you did perform well that way yeah well then i would know like hey that's the kind of like that's the way to show editor i am yeah you know All right um but the first match i had man like the dude was just so relentlessly heavy on mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. you know yeah. um at 220 that uh, yeah that could that that could use a little bit of that's a little extra gravity there (laughs) yeah Uh, so i was like framing and like trying to push them off and like my shoulders mm -hmm. just complete so so my upper body's done um it's crazy how much adrenaline you will spend it's crazy like how much how much it's only three matches and when we train we'll do like six seven rolls sometimes in a night yeah but you know but it's 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 like extra because they're really trying to win. Where when we're just rolling, you're you're trying to collect data, you're trying new things, you're experimenting, and and you're not as worried about winning. You know, like everybody, nobody really wants to lose, but you're not going to get to the point where you're gonna maybe give a little extra on on a, a sweep or you know you you might just be like, oh that didn't work. Let me see what the other side does or something. You know. Yep. All right, so we've talked a lot about jujitsu so far. Sure. Let's uh, let's shift gears and let's uh, get a little bit more interesting. Let's go let's deep. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's go swimming. Let's let's dive deep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. How about this one? Let's start with this one, Alan. And by the way, anything I ask you, uh, you know, if you're not comfortable talking about it you know you just let me know i, I think there'll be very few things that uh, i'm not willing to talk about so yeah if anything yeah. okay let's start with this one uh what was the scariest moment of your life oh scariest moment of my life there's been a bunch you know um i i could say iraq but i think in iraq i was already i was i was with the notion that i'm okay with dying so it wasn't that scary because i was like okay it doesn't matter if i die i don't know you know it's quick i just i just get hit by an ied and i'm dead cool and so i kind of accepted that so that wasn't as scary 
it, I kind of felt it when I came back. I had dreams and stuff, you know. But then I, I think the, the cancer, right, the shock of the doctor telling me, hey, this is a really aggressive cancer, and you need to prepare yourself in case you don't make it because there's a good chance you might not. And I was like, what the, what the hell? You, you know, I didn't expect you to say that. I thought you were going to say, we're good at cancer, and, and we'll fix it. And it mattered more then because I had a son. And, um, you know, when I was in Iraq, I didn't, I didn't have any kids or anything. There was nothing to go home to. So it was kind of like, okay, cool, you know, live or die, whatever, go out there, try to, try to, you know, make shit happen, try to go and, uh, and, and, you know, do some valorous stuff, you know, what it was like, I felt like all I could do was succeed where with the cancer, it was like, I felt all I could do was just try to survive. So I think that was scarier, you know, cause, uh, the, the son was at risk too, you know, like I didn't want him growing up, my kid Milan, uh, without a father. You know, and so I think it hit me, especially during chemo, when I would like throw up, and I'd look over and I'd see his face, and he's he's freaking out. He doesn't know what's going on, and I'm thrown to the point of passing out. You know, um, and I was like, oh god, I gotta I gotta make it through this. I can't leave him um, without a dad. Like that would suck. So that's probably the scariest moment. Uh, even though Iraq, I think there was times where I was pretty terrified. But I was just, I was just accepting that, like, probably gonna die, you know. Mm -hmm. Just, just, just do it, you know. No. So when I met you, I remember you. I remember you uh, shaved your head, and I wasn't sure, uh, but I thought maybe that's what. So you were on chemotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, tell me about that. I mean, what? So like, how? For how long did you have to fight it? Um, and, and what cancer was it, by the way? Yeah, it was a testicular and uh, lymphomic. So uh, I found out the month before the COVID lockdowns. We were at a conference, and I went to take a piss, and I was like, oh, that, that, that doesn't feel right. That, that lump was never there. Something's wrong. I think that's cancer. You know. So, um, you know, I went and... and got the sample or did all the testing and, and everything and uh they were slow to get back to me because covid breaks out shortly after and um you know everything went to crap so the cancer was was a super aggressive form there's three forms and the one of them was super aggressive and it started to spread so um they did the surgery eventually uh it took some time that was like months down the road uh, from finding it and then uh, I had to do chemo because of how, how long it was there and, and the spread uh, so the chemo sucks like I, I, the, the doctor told me he's like this is going to be really tough and I was like oh, it can't be that bad right I've, I've been through it all you know I've, I've done it all it's cool well, let's do this you know and he's like okay it's going to be tough mm. and holy shit he wasn't kidding mm. it was terrible like mm. that hurt so bad it was such a horrible feeling and um, I now understand why so many people quit you know every morning we'd go in there and people would just quit they, they would have like a roll call and they were kind of going down because I was always the first guy there and I could hear them where's this guy oh he quit where's this guy he quit oh where's this? and I was like shit I understand I don't blame him you know like I was barely able to hang on uh, till the end too and, and that so the the chemo took I think two and a half 
three months, something like that. And and the first dose was was the worst. It was a super strong dose, so yeah, it was it was pretty rough. No. And you were uh, you were doing jujitsu the whole time. I was doing what I could with jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. You were always. I, I always saw you on the mats. Yeah, I um, would either sit off to the side and watch, or uh, once it was finally done, then I, I three days after the chemo was done, I started uh, rolling again. And then during the chemo, I was getting private lessons from Sloan, and you know, just I had to go super slow at that time though because. Like in any slight motion, and I was ready to just yak my guts up. So, but I, 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 I told myself like you know, part part of me wanting to get through to motivate myself was, hey, you, you're not good at jujitsu yet. You told yourself, <laughs> you told yourself you were gonna get good at this before you died. You know, I'd probably say the same thing in my own. Yeah, it's like I'm not a black belt yet. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying. It's to not myself. my destiny to end here. It's like yeah, this doesn't end here. Right. You know, like yeah, this is no, you you suck at this. You can't. This isn't where you stop, yeah. Hell yeah, uh, dude. You're a warrior. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about God? Oh, man. That's a question I, 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 everybody wishes they had the answer to, you know? Um, do, do I think all this shit was made on accident? No, I, I don't think so, you know? Um, do I think we have any idea on it? Fuck no, I don't think we have any idea on it. Um, God's a giant question. Um, you know, there's all these religions and everybody's trying to, to find the answer. And I, I, I don't think we were meant to get that answer, you know, like that answer is so much bigger than any of us. Um, but I think, uh, they're all kind of saying the same thing, like try to be your best person. Right. And know that you know you're gonna fuck up but there's different ways we'll forgive you whatever whatever you know blah 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 just try to be your best and that seems to be like you know for whatever reason whether it was like they were just trying to keep order from chaos or whether that was like a real message from god it all seems to be the same message to me so i don't know what to think about it you know what, what do you think about it you know um up until the age of 18, uh, I was pretty much atheist. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until a little bit later, actually, when I got to college, that's when my mind started to change a little bit, which usually isn't the way it works. Usually, usually the opposite. It's yeah. usually the opposite, <laughs> right. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but t today... I do believe in God. Uh, I think about God all the time. But the thing is, um, it's not for me like some man sitting in the cloud, sitting on a cloud in the sky, <laughs> yeah. you know. Sure. Um, the way I think of it is uh, the source, you know. Mm -hmm. I kind of think of this world as the finite and then God being like the infinite. Mm -hmm. And when I meet people, I see that as that's God, you know? Mm. There's some God in them or something. Yeah, like yeah. We, all of us. Mm -hmm. Like, because if God is in infinite, then that means that God is all. Like, God is like everything. Everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I got, I don't, these days, I don't think anything is without purpose. Mm -hmm. 
And now we don't always know what the reason is for like, so some, somebody new comes into your life. You don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. You don't know what the message is, Mm -hmm. but it's intentional, you know? And we can try to figure out what it is. We can try to figure out what the message is. And sometimes we're right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we know what it is. And sometimes we think we know, but we're totally off. And I I think it's fun not knowing, you know. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if we did know, if we knew everything, then we would be God. Yeah, and we'd be bored. Yeah. Right. It it would be boring. Yeah. Exactly. You, You know, one thing I will say on that, too, is that the more of a conspiracy theorist I become, the more I start to believe in God. So uh, I think it's because the, the, the deeper I get into uh, the people in charge and, their, and, and the, the maybe more evil the, their plots are, the more I'm like, yeah, God becomes really important. Uh, so that's been something that has maybe drawn me a little closer to going, there, there's something to this. So mm. I just wanted to add that in there because, mm. as you know, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. So. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So, so you you said that you have a son. I have two. Yeah. Okay. You have two sons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you. So that means. So you're married. Yes, I'm married. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a question I want to ask you. Something I'm curious <coughs> about anyone who's married. Yeah. Is um, how did you meet your wife? <laughs> okay. So um, I'll tell you when when I met her, I was not ready to meet a person. And I was in school, I just started uh, my doctorate here in San Diego, getting out of the army, and I met her on Tinder. Tinder was, was brand new, I'd never heard of it, and somebody in class was like, hey, have you ever seen this app, Tinder? And I was like, no, and, and I got on it, and she was one of the first people I met. Um, and that's how I ended up meeting her. I just wanna say I think that's cool. Because a lot of people, a lot of people, when you talk to them about dating apps, mm-hmm. they will not have positive things to say. Sure. Uh, but here's an example. Yeah. You know. Sorry. Yeah. It, no, no, you're right. Yeah. The, you know, I don't hear too many good stories out of, you know, these dating apps. So, and, and I think it's gotten probably worse just as I hear the feedback from people. Yeah. But you can meet someone, you know? Sure. Because we're, there's real people out there and there's yeah. real people on the apps. Well, you know. Yeah. It, but I think, uh, you know, as, as the, as people get out of talking to each other, there was something to walking up to people and being like, Hey, you're beautiful. I'm very attracted to you. Like, I'd like to get to know you, you know, like putting yourself out there showed them something like, Hey, you know, you're worth making an effort for And you're right here. And and so am I. And there was something to that, you know, like my, my girlfriend before my, my wife, that's how we met, you know, there was, we we met in person and, and it was like, Hey, you know, you are, there's something to you, you know? Um, and, and not saying that that was better than, than this relationship or anything, but I think people have lost that. And, uh, you know, at least it seems to be, I don't, I don't know, I'm not out there, but uh, if they have lost it, that, that's a shame because meeting people in person, you know, you get the real them right then. Well, so I want to, I want you to hold your thought because uh, I don't want to derail too far from, oh, sure, you sure. know, your original yeah, story, yeah. but I, I do want to touch on this a bit. I think there's two things going on in today's world. Uh-huh. I think that I think adult men are not as brave when it comes to approaching women mm-hmm. in Western modern American culture, 
I, I, I don't know how it is really in other parts of the world, but I sure. can speak on how it is. I've lived in New York. I've spent some years in Florida and I'm out here in California. And uh, yeah, first of all, like it, it takes a lot of courage to approach a woman and just start talking to her and then lead it to a point where you say, let's go on a date sometime you know yeah. like that takes that takes a lot a lot of courage and i think it takes more courage than it should yeah you know so i think that a lot of men struggle with that and then i also think that the other side of the coin is that um maybe uh women are not like open to it so much like mm -hmm. they're kind of like or mm -hmm. maybe they want men to approach them but they are Sig they're not signaling they're not used to it either. yeah they're yeah. not like making it easy for men to do that who sure. are like good like good quality men who like have the balls to do that well i think that's why the dating apps fail because people aren't used to talking to each other and and men don't know how to talk to women anymore and women don't know how to accept it and so you you get on these dating apps right and then it's like oh it's supposed to match up i guess i don't have to do the the talking and the fun and 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 <laughs> that part's missed and and so the practice isn't there either you have to know how to talk to women and women have to know how to accept how to it, receive how to receive it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. which i mean the burden falls mostly on the men because you have to be somebody that a woman would want to talk to um but for the most part, you know, both both have to be accepting of, of their part, and, and there's no practice there. So I think something's lost in that exchange uh, through the dating apps. Mm -hmm. At least that's my theory on it. Like I said, I'm out of the game. I, I have no idea, but it seems to be what I what I see. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So so that's how so that's how you met her. Yep, yep, on Tinder. Mm -hmm. So here, while we're while we are on the topic of. Um, men and women meeting each other in the in the modern dating market yeah so like what would be what are some advice you would give for young adult men on finding a good woman okay well you know um i, I would well first of all the background of, of me and women uh i, I was so I, I gotta I gotta have to back up and then explain how I got here to this you know final form of, of what I think about it. So I was I was very abused as a child and, and didn't have much connection with people. So when I first started meeting women in, in my early adult stages, it was you know just kind of like uh, a sexual relationship, and I didn't really put anything into it because I didn't understand how important those connections were. Um, but that led me to understand just how important those connections really are. It is super important who you are meeting and spending your time with. And if, if it's not a good match, um, find that person who is because there's, man, the, to find a woman who is smart and beautiful and kind and wants to agree to whatever part you 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 want her to agree to and have kids with you and be with you all of your life dude you better jump on that because you don't know how long that's going to last you don't know how many of those you're going to find and 
um, you, you shouldn't squander that opportunity. So if you find something like that, you, you better take it. And that's my advice to young men. Don't, don't play around with this. This is not something, uh, it seems like it's a fun time, but it, it, it's really not. Like, it's very serious. You have to take it serious, and you have to realize that when you do find that, that good match of, of, of a woman who is willing to give you that, dude, you, you better seriously consider it. And, and if it's not the one, you better go find that one that is, because life is too damn short not to. And you only have so many chances to connect with people in life. You got your parents, you got a significant other, and you have your kids, and that's it. Everything else is just kind of secondary. It doesn't have, it never will have as much meaning and connection, and, and you better not lose those opportunities. So uh, as a young man, uh, as much as that sounds like very odd advice in this time of day, uh, time and age, that's probably the best advice I could give you. You, you, you better get on that. Uh, and and be serious so don't don't play in that department I, I, I understand it's so tempting to and, and I I did for the longest time and it's still tempting to if you have a working set of, of, of genitalia it's it's you know it's gonna tell you go after this go after that you know it's just the way that the biology works but but don't lose that that's it's don't lose that opportunity to find that right woman you better you better really take that serious. It's one of the few connections in life you're ever going to get that's that meaningful. Well said. So you are a therapist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Doctor of clinical psychology. First of all, I nod my head. I salute you. Oh, thank I you. I applaud you for that. Yeah, that I really admire that. Uh, what got you into that? When? Let me ask. So. Was that something that you always wanted to do? No, no. I um, uh, started off in the army, having no idea what I wanted to do, just just trying to make it, you know. Uh, and uh, got really involved in the army. Just wanted to like run shit over, blow things up, you know, typical stuff. Move up, jump out of planes, become a colonel, and, and retire. And then um, I ended up getting. Uh, an honorable discharge and they were saying hey we're, we're done with you. you you need to leave the army and I was like what now what do I do so I applied to uh, this doctorate program with the intention of actually joining the CIA to um, interrogate people and get back into the game and and, and play war games again basically um, and thought that therapy was bullshit and, and thought that like you know psychology was full of crap and I just wanted to go and pretty much just get myself back in the game but they force you to um, go into therapy yourself whenever you join these programs and after about like 10 sessions in I, I was like uh oh there's something to this and we were in my first semester we were in a PTSD um, uh, class and I was like oh shit all those things I oh man that's me I was like oh that was so shocking and so like enlightening and I was like okay I gotta I gotta work on some stuff you know mm -hmm. and and so I started working real hard on on figuring that out I knew there was a problem but I never believed in PTSD you know I didn't believe that that was a thing and I'd had it my whole life um, you know just because childhood was rough the army was rough combat was rough you know all these things were super rough and uh, it forced me to fix myself I ended up becoming good at it, partially because I had to get my own answers. I had really bad PTSD at the time, and and so to to learn how to fix that and, and get all those answers has helped me 
get answers for other people that had PTSD and, and now I run a PTSD clinic and, and it's very successful. Uh, you know, we, we've got over a 90% cure rate. So, um, but, but a lot of that is because I had to find those answers of, of what's going to work and fix these things. So needless to say, I gave up on, on the uh, thought of like uh, getting back in the game. I was like, oh, yeah, there's something to this really working. Um, so for how long now have you been doing uh, your private private practice of therapy? Uh, I Well, I work for a, um, a private hospital, actually. And uh, so I've been working for them for three years running that PTSD program. And before that, I was uh, out at the VA in Texas. And then before that... Uh, just all around, just doing schooling here in San Diego and different uh, PTSD programs. So, uh, three years as the clinical director of uh, the Institutes of Health. So, uh, here in San Diego. So, which is in person and telehealth uh, a practice. So. Very cool. Uh, something I often hear in um, some of the podcasts that I listen to is uh unless you are a therapist you are nobody's therapist Uh, do you agree or disagree um no i'd say a lot of these guys who are have been in therapy for a while and seeking their own answers are doing a great job have you ever heard of uh, eric urisk i think his name is no dude he says some profound stuff and he's an absolute killer he's not a therapist he is like a head coach over at Victory, and he says great things, and he and he has great resources, and um, you know he's not trying to be a therapist, but he's putting his good information out there, you know. And, and a lot of these fighters do, a lot of these uh, jujitsu uh, practitioners do, because they're they're smart. Like jujitsu attracts these smart people that want answers, and they're finding answers and. They're sharing them and they're they're spreading them. Like, if you can go and get these good answers all around, but th- that's just the problem is you don't know who has good answers. Even as you're getting therapists, some of them don't have good answers, but some of them have great answers. And when they're sharing them and spreading them, it's like that's that's great. Keep doing that, you know. And, and we're we're really lucky whenever somebody does share some of those things. You know, there's no need to just say therapists have the all only answers. Like that's ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has has some sort of good answers. Mm. Do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, I, I do. You know, uh, not as much right now, just because I've been really busy. But uh, I do like uh, like Jordan Peterson, um, Joe Rogan. You know, the the Jujitsu podcast. Uh, there's been a few conspiracy uh, theorist podcasts, and then like if a friend makes a podcast, I'll <laughs> I'll try to listen or something. You know. Okay, so. Uh, you've brought up you brought up conspiracy theories uh, a couple times. Oh yeah, do, yeah. You, 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 do you want to talk about? Do you, do you I, I don't have to or or whatever. But I, well, how about this? Tell me your favorite one. Oh man, my favorite <laughs> one is uh, about the chemtrails, right? So when when planes are spraying uh, everything in, in the air, you know, I'll go out and like film them, and I'm like, "There's those fucking guys are again spraying," you know. And everybody's like, "Oh, you're you're crazy!" Like they're uh-huh. that's just that's just. Uh, um, you know the the condensation or whatever and i'm yeah. like no they are spraying you know and then i'll find things and it's like here's an obvious one that i can point to the sky yeah. so just for our listeners uh who may not know what the chemtrails conspiracy theory is can can you give like a basic synopsis sure yeah so um 
people like Bill Gates are saying that they want to change the uh, environment to to uh, fix uh, global or sorry fix the the environmental crisis, right? And so they're blocking out the sun, is what they're saying. Yeah. But it's really not. They're spraying all these cities with these horrible chemicals. It's like aluminum and uh, sulf- uh, sulfuric acid and, and all these things that, that cause dementia and, and other issues in, in people. And it's uh, really taking a, a toll on us. But, but even though he says things like that and other people have come out and said these things, no, nobody believes it. You know, And, and um, it's, it's kind of... Like I try not to get too wrapped up in it, but when I see them like spraying right over my house, you know, or or something, I'm just like, God, can mm. you just leave us alone, you know? Like I don't want that shit in the air. Like just take that somewhere else, you know? Like we didn't ask for this, so that that one's probably my favorite because it's like right there in front of us. And when I mention it, most people say you're ridiculous. That's not, you know, that's not a chemtrail, you know. I'm indifferent on this one. You know, there's certain conspiracy theories that when people start to talk about them in front of me, I have strong opinions on and I'll have like an emotional, like visceral reaction to. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm like, you know, but there, there's certain ones that I'm honestly just so ignorant about that I could I, I could lean left or right on it. You know? Sure. sure. I, could, I, could, I could be neither here nor there about it. And uh, yeah, I mean something like this wouldn't shock me i'll mm-hmm. put it that way yeah yeah and, and i admit that like i don't know you know i could be wrong but when bill gates talks about it and says yeah we're, <laughs> we're purposely blocking out the sun then it, there's at a minimum they're spraying you know when he says these kind of things so but who knows i i, I only know what i'm gathering and you know i i absolutely say i could be wrong on on all of these not just one of them you know so i'm open to it you know what is a hidden talent that Alan Aker has? <laughs> hidden talent. Oh man, that's a good one. Um, well, uh, my wife often tells me that like I should do stand up, you know. Uh, but I, I I disagree with her. Like I think I could be funny sometimes, you know. Uh, but stand up like that takes effort you know what yeah. I mean like you have to you have to really prepare and I don't know if I could do that but I can be I can be pretty funny sometimes mm-hmm. so funny that like I'm laugh. I gotta be careful where I'm going with it like your strengths are your weaknesses you know uh, and um being funny can be hiding pain as well and I got funny because life was horrible for so long so you started laughing at it you know so so my strength is also my weakness there right so i can be funny and then sometimes i'm like holy shit i'm really like torturing this guy i'm being funny at his expense and that's not cool you know what i mean like i don't even see it yeah yeah it's like i didn't even see i wasn't trying to roast you just i got so in the habit of being able to roast people or (laughs) or situations or whatever it may be that like i didn't even realize like man i'm really fucking turning on you you know though if you if you do a stand-up situation and you have a crowd, you have a full room, it's fun sometimes when there's like that one person in the front row that you can... Sure. Like, yeah, you and, can really pick on him. Yeah, yeah. And, and they'll usually roll with it. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, and, totally. But that's an appropriate situation, you know? It's inappropriate, though, whenever it's like, dude, this guy, like, he, he barely knows you and you're new to Legion and you're over here just fucking... He's sweating because you're, uh, you're, you're, you're just coming down on him so hard, you know? Yep. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Any other hidden talents? Any other hidden talents? 
Um, let's see. I think. No, I think I'm pretty uh, uh, out in the open with everything, you know. So I wouldn't say anything's too hidden uh, of a talent. I, I I try to be a, a pretty open book in everything, you know. I don't try to hide flaws or anything. So um, if I can do something well, you'll probably see me at least try to post it or something or 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 say it or you know not be afraid to let people see it, you know. But nothing. I think I think. Uh, uh, I'm already spread too thin as it is. It's like, okay, you know, you're a doctor, you're doing jujitsu. It's like, you know, any more talent, there wouldn't be room for my kids. So, you know, not talent, but any more, any more attempts at talent, any more, uh, you know, effort at trying to do these things. So, yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd, I wouldn't have any time for them. So, if that makes any sense. Okay, last question. Sure for today's episode and it's a big one okay. and uh, you know you do your best to try to give an answer to it yeah yeah I'm, I'm down Alan what would you say is the meaning of life whoo oh man the meaning of life is just so much bigger than that that maybe the meaning of life is to not even get to that question that the meaning of life is to be okay with everything that gets put in front of you and even your failures you know their successes you know and to to maybe just try to make those connections that are important and not be afraid of those i, I feel like we're so afraid now to start families uh because there's like oh i gotta i gotta be this successful person i have to do all these things i have to make all these accomplishments and yet there's no way that that's not a huge part of the meaning of life. There's just no way because those connections are so powerful. When your son looks up to you and says, dad, I love you. And you know, you can't even do any wrong. Like he just genuinely loves the heck out of you, no, out of me, no matter what I do. Right. And, and, and that's, that's a lot of meaning in that. So meaning in life, um, is just doing your best at these connections, not being afraid to get in there and do all these things that are terrifying. It's terrifying to for us to go out there and compete and, and look like fools, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, try to do something that scares you a little every day. Yeah, right? like don't be afraid. Yeah, mm -hmm. overcome that fear. That I think that's it, overcome the fear. Don't worry about what people uh, want you to be. It's more about what, what you want and, and don't try to have this long-term goal that kills you. You know, the, these long-term goals that we have are, are, are ridiculous. They're, they're kind of our enemy. Yeah. Sometimes we get caught up in playing the game. Yeah. Right? It's an artificial game. It doesn't even exist. And then we lose what's really important to us. So, you know, don't be afraid. Don't don't listen. Don't make other people your, your model. Just don't worry. Don't even worry about the meaning of life. Go out there and just live and, and fuck up. Don't be afraid to, you know. Mm. Get in there and just fuck up. Enjoy it, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're going to succeed. That's how you're going to get better. You, know? mm -hmm. you, you and I both do that. We, we just go in there and fuck up and come Send back it. in and fuck up again even better. <laughs> Send it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say the meaning of life is? Uh, mm. I would first echo everything that you said. Hmm. 
A wise man once told me that there's only two things you ever have to do. One, choose wisely. And then two, do well. <laughs> and I think that's the best you can do. I think that's all you can do. Sure, yeah. And, um, you know, when you were when we were asking, uh, when we were talking about God before, and I was framing it in terms of uh, the infinite source and us being the finite creation, well, that would mean that if the source is infinite, that would mean there's nothing for the source to gain. It already has everything. Mm -hmm. So the only purpose for the source is to give. And that means that our purpose then is to receive. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have to realize that life is a gift. It's a precious gift. And sometimes we need to just be receptive. You know, we have to realize that um, our position, the position that we're in is the receiver. And, and that's enough. Mm -hmm. So that's my best. Uh, sure. Yeah. That's my best response. Yeah. Yeah. It's a kind of a general term for every interaction that you're running into. Mm -hmm. uh, just try to be your best open uh, yeah. receiver and giver. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes when people are asked this question, they will, they'll talk about like love, you know, they'll be like, love is the answer. And I don't know, like, that's all true. It's true. It, it is true, yeah. but it's, a little corny, so I don't, um, I don't, I don't answer with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, love's important, and it's like, I think sometimes we're 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 too stuck on this like perfect love, and nothing's perfect. You know what I mean? Like, love is a good fit and growing in a good direction together. Mm -hmm. You know, but you can't be alone. We're not a, we're not islands. So that's that's true. It's part of the equation. I think. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and you even like my uh, my response of the giver and the receiver. Well, that's love. Sure. Right? Like the yeah. infinite source giving to the finite creation, yeah. and us being in the receiving position. That's that's love. It's al know? it's also intimacy. The more that you're giving and receiving, like that's that's an intimate connection, you know. And the deeper you give and receive, that's that's a very loving connection to make. No. Well said, Alan. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast this morning with me. And thank you for being so uh, vulnerable and like open and honest. I uh, really appreciate all your, uh, your genuine answers and you know, insights into your own personal life and, and history and experience. And um, man, happy to share the mats with you, brother. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I cool. really enjoyed and, it. You know, anytime you want to come back on, just let me know. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm always down, so cool. have fun. Yeah. All right, brother. Very cool. Thanks.